Today's Father's Day, and so we want to start off our morning by saying a little prayer for our dads. So if you wouldn't mind just joining me in prayer, that would be great. Lord, we, we, we're so grateful that we have a day to celebrate the, the, the great things some of our dads have done for us, uh, the mentors they've been. Lord, we, we celebrate them today. But Lord, we also pray for the families who maybe have recently lost dads, or, or maybe there's families who have lost kids lately, uh, or maybe there's just not a great relationship with our fathers. Lord, we pray that today you give those people peace and let them feel your love. And Lord, we just thank you for being able to gather today and uh, to get in your word and to celebrate them. We love you, God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're in week, uh, week three of a series we're calling What About the Kids? And the goal of this series is to highlight the important role and impact that kids have in the church. Uh, we, we truly believe that kids are not just the church of tomorrow, but they're also the church of today, right now. And we thought this would be a great week, being that it's Father's Day, to look at the role we play in our children's lives as mentors, what we're supposed to be doing to develop their faith. Children are such vital pieces of our church community. It's why we invest so much in them. It's why we have this new children's wing being built up outside. As parents, we're in an interesting spot because we are called to have faith like our children, but at the same time, our children emulate what we do. We are called to mentor them in the faith. Today we're going to be looking at a passage that highlights how it is we can be making an impact on our children's faith. Our scripture for today comes from Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. Our scripture reader for the day is Cooper Vanderham. Cooper, would you go ahead and make your way forward? Uh, if you wouldn't mind, would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Here at TFRC, we have the tradition of standing and facing the center of the room to remind us of the centrality that God's Word is supposed to have in our lives. So, Cooper, whenever you're ready, go ahead and start, bud. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, is our God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on, your, on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Great job, Cooper. Thank you. Uh, you guys can all be seated. The passage that we just read is known as the Shema. It's a really familiar one to us here at TFRC. For more than a decade, the Shema has played an important role in our church and our children's ministry. The majority of our kids that are actively engaged in children's ministry usually have this passage memorized by the time they're in elementary school. In fact, many elementary kids memorize it in Hebrew. It's a powerful passage, and as powerful as it is to us, it's also incredibly powerful to the Jewish community. It's the first prayer that a child learns. It's the prayer that they say before they go to bed. It's the last thing they pray before they die. The Shema is considered a Jewish uh, confession of faith. It's a passage that has great meaning for them. 
Our scripture for today, which includes the Shema, highlights the important role that parents should play in the faith of their children. Now, maybe there's some of you in the crowd here who do not have your own children yet, but this passage is applicable to all of you. Maybe some of you aren't parents, but your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, your teachers. Whatever role you are in a child's life, this can apply to you. In verse 7, we are commanded to impress the faith on our children. But what does that mean? What does that even look like? The Hebrew uh, root word of impress is shanan. It means to sharpen. But when you look at it in context, there's a repetitive nature to it. It's something that we do again and again. It's something we are to repeat. We impress values and beliefs on our children by repeatedly exposing them to what it is are our values and beliefs. It's been said before, my family are huge Chicago Bulls fans, and I promise I'm not going to talk about them every week, but I I have a story I want to share. Uh, One day I was watching a game this, uh, this season, and as you can see, there's my fam. We're super fans with our customized jerseys with Vreesman on the back. Uh, I was watching a game, and one of my son, wearing his jersey and Bulls shorts, comes, and he just sits next to me. Hey, Dad. Oh, hey, bud. How's it going? It's good. So we start watching this game, and he says to me, hey, so uh, is Laurie Markkinen still playing terrible? And I'm like, how do you know Laurie's name? That's crazy. He's one of the Bulls players. And uh, I was like, that's interesting. He remembers that he was playing terrible. Uh, So we keep watching the game, and there comes this moment where uh, one of the Bulls players misses a layup. And so he says, come on, dunk the ball. And I'm kind of taken aback again. Oh, okay. And, and so, so we keep watching this game, and then uh, the Bulls mess up a defensive assignment, and the other team scores. And he goes, play some defense. And I'm kind of taken aback by my son, but at the same time equally kind of proud. I'm like, oh, look at you. This is great. Um, In that moment, I got a kick out of my kid's passion for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, In that moment, I realized I had impressed my love and somewhat continual disappointment in the Chicago Bulls on my child. He was becoming a super fan. He was paying attention to the way that I cheered for them. Uh, He was paying attention to what I did, what I said, and how I said it for better or for worse. Whether we know it or not, we are routinely impressing different values onto our children. The question we probably need to ask ask ourselves is, what do we impress on our children most? Are we impressing our faith on our children? Now more than ever, it's so critical that we impress our faith on them because they have so many more influences willing to do the same thing. If we're not the one impressing our faith, they're going to hear things from other people that make a big impact on their lives. But what does it mean to do that? What does it look like 
to impress the faith on our children. As we study today's passage, we're going to bring to light three important aspects of impressing faith upon our kids. The first important aspect of impressing our faith is internalizing our own faith. What I mean when I say our faith needs to be internalized is that we have to actually have an authentic faith in Jesus. Our faith needs to be a part of our inner being. It needs to define who we are and what we do. It needs to be our identity. Do we love God with all our heart, soul, and mind and strength? Or is it just a piece of who we are? Verses 4 and 5 say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. From the get-go, in verse 4 it says, Hear, O Israel. And the word hear is actually shema. And the Hebrew meaning of the word is not just hearing or listening. There's an element of action and obedience that's implied with it. We're being commanded to hear, listen, but also obey. To love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and strength. It means that it's not simply enough to believe. We should also be acting obediently to how God calls us to live our lives. We should be living out our faith. Verse 6 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. We often internalize our faith. Now, if we were to internalize our faith and make it deeply rooted in who we are, it needs to be continually on our hearts, and it it needs to become the priority of our life because it's our priorities that motivate what we say and do the way we live. This is where internalizing our faith can become a bit difficult. We tend to fill our lives with different priorities that can take away from what is supposed to define us. That priority is our faith in Jesus. It says in the Shema that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength. Not some of it, but all of it. But oftentimes, many of us allow different priorities to take the driver's seat. And when we do that, uh, we let our career, sports, wealth, family, education, or politics become the number one priority of our lives. Instead of internalizing our faith, we have this tendency to compartmentalize it. Earlier I mentioned that I was this big Chicago Bulls fan, and uh, I've got a story I'm not really proud to share with you, but I'm going to share it because it's honest and it's real. Uh, Believe it or not, there was a day in my fandom where I I tended to let my passion take the driver's seat of my priorities. And uh, it was Christmas, 2011. You know, the, the day that our Lord was born that we celebrate. And... The Bulls were down one point against the Los Angeles Lakers. 
uh, Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. And there's, with 4.8 seconds left, our, our MVP, Derek Rose, hit a floater from about 10 feet out, and I erupted. I was ecstatic. Can you believe it? And I start running around the house screaming, and I'm wearing my shirt that ironically has a giant picture of Derrick Rose on it. And I start singing, as for me and my house, I will serve the bulls. I, I know, I have a lot of these moments that I really regret. But that is the type of weird thing we can find ourselves doing when we start to allow other priorities to take the driver's seat. Now, that's a pretty ridiculous story, and I hope you're not as bad as I am. But I would argue that all of us have had a moment like that where our faith takes the back seat to what we're passionate about in that moment. And we, we give in to beliefs that we shouldn't. As we internalize our faith, we'll begin to live it out in all that we do. We'll begin to model for our children how it is we're supposed to be living our lives. On the flip side, when we compartmentalize it, it leads us to treating our faith like just another thing we can prioritize. Or it uh, allows us to only use it when it's convenient. Internalizing our faith leads to modeling an active faith to our children. And it's a huge component in impressing the faith. One could say it's the backbone or the glue that holds it all together because if we do not have a genuine faith that we are living out, how are we supposed to impress that on our children? The second important aspect of impressing the faith is verbalizing it. To impress our faith on our children, it's important that we make it a priority to talk about faith with them. Verse 7 says, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. It says that we were to talk about our faith when we're at home, when we're on the road, when it's in the morning, and when it's at night. This verse makes a point to emphasize that there's a spectrum in which we should be talking about our faith. All day, all the time. We should begin doing it in the morning, and it should be the last thing we talk about at night. What is it that you find yourself talking to your kids about? Is there a faith component? We tend to talk about what we consider to be priorities in our lives. So is it about sports? Or is it about work? Or is it about news? Or is it about politics? Where's faith in that equation? If we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, and strength, we need to find time to be intentionally speaking about our faith to our children. Is faith a topic that is talked about regularly in your household? Is it something that's interwoven into other topics? Now, there's a number of ways that we can begin to practice verbalizing our beliefs to our children. Uh, we can pray with them. We can weave it into conversation. And we can tell meaningful stories of our faith to them. One of the easiest ways to start verbalizing our faith in front of our children 
is through prayer. Uh, what if we just prayed 30 seconds at the beginning of the day before school and 30 seconds before bed at night? Here's some food for thought. If we were to do that, till our kids were 18 years old, we would have prayed with them for 6,570 minutes. That equates to almost 110 hours. Or if you work more in days, four and a half days. By the time our children are 18 years old, we could have prayed with them for four and a half days. It seems so little, but it adds up to this great opportunity to share our faith. Another way that we can begin to verbalize our faith is by subtly interweaving or openly talking about it in our conversations with them. It could mean something as simple as giving God praise or credit when something goes well, or acknowledging his presence and control when things aren't going well. It could be letting God know, letting your kids know that God is pleased when you're obedient to them, or asking about what they learned at Sunday school or youth group. Or you could just have some meaningful verses that have impacted your life that you share with them. But sometimes the greatest way that we can verbalize our faith is by sharing our stories. Sharing, those, sharing our journey that, that is meaning to us and how Jesus has impacted our life. Maybe it's that moment we took communion and it was incredibly meaningful. Maybe it was that time where God showed you something you've never seen before on a mission trip or at a conference or summer camp when you gave your life to Jesus. It is so important that we don't keep those stories to ourselves. We need to be telling our children the great things that God has done in our lives. And we need to repeat and repeat and repeat and keep telling them those stories so that they see it's real. What are the stories you're telling your children? What are we telling our children? Are they the glory years of playing varsity sports? Are the good old days in college? Or are they the times that God did something amazing in our lives? One of the things that I'm well known for within the youth group is I have just a boatload of amazingly funny and awkward stories that I share with my students. And uh, I've shared the story about the time where I uh, told a girl her ear looked like this weird-looking rock because I was trying to flirt with her in middle school. I, I've shared the story, I think I shared it here, where I was trying to prank one of my students and pretend to sneeze, and it ended up sneezing on an elderly lady I didn't know. Uh, there's a lot of stories that I love to tell. But there's also some meaningful faith stories that I make sure to tell my students. I make sure they know the moments where God showed up in my life. I make sure they know that God has truly impacted my life. And I make sure they hear stories of how God has transformed me. Because there's power in telling the stories of our faith. When we verbalize our faith to our children, it helps them to see the true priority of our lives. It reminds them of the ways that God is working and can work in their life. The third aspect of impressing the faith on our children is visualizing our faith. 
Verses 8 and 9 say, Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. To visually impress the faith onto our children, it says that we are to have different visuals at home and ones that we can take with us to help keep our faith on our hearts. In an attempt to incorporate this practice, uh, Jewish people created multiple visual reminders of their faith. A couple of visuals that I want to highlight are the tefillin and mezuzahs. Because both of them are somewhat literal representations of this passage. Tefillin are a pair of black leather boxes containing Hebrew, Hebrew parchment scrolls containing scripture. A set includes two of them, uh, one for the forehead and one for the arm. Each consists of three main components, the scroll of scripture, the box, and the straps. Tefillin are often used while praying and predominantly during the weekdays in their morning prayers. Uh, with the one box on their head, they'll place the box on the arm over their heart as a reminder that it is, it is to be, uh, that they are to love God with all their heart and soul and in all they do. The other visual that is connected to this passage is the mezuzah. And the Hebrew word for that is doorpost. According to tradition, the mezuzah is to be affixed on the doorpost at the entrance of every Jewish household. And it's supposed to be on the doorpost of uh, the rooms inside the house, except for the bathroom, on the right-hand side as you walk in. The mezuzah itself consists of a small scroll of parchment with two different verses on it. It's supposed to have the Shema from our passage today, and it also has Deuteronomy 11, verses 13 through 21 in it. The scroll is inserted into this wooden, metal, or plastic uh, entrapment that holds the scroll. It's, it's placed on the right side of the doorframe. Now, the mezuzah is used to remind the Jewish people that every time they enter or leave this house, God is their identity. And remember the things that he has done for them. It's a symbol for all those that, that see the house to remind them and let them know that this is where people who believe in God live. This is uh, a Jewish household. It's a reminder of who they are and what their identity is. As we, as we attempt to impress faith on our children, we also have to find some ways to visualize our faith. So, so they can be reminded of the importance it has in our lives and hopefully the importance it has in theirs. That might mean having some scripture, quote, uh, script, scripture quotes across the house or maybe uh, uh, having something that reminds us of what Jesus has done for our lives. But it should also be a personal visualization, one that we can take with us. The two Jewish visuals that I shared both have a component of meaningful scripture and strategic placement. There might be some wisdom in taking that same approach in our lives. What if we were to get creative and uh, use the Shema and another scripture that was close to our heart to create some type of visual symbol that we can take with us every single day so that we can impress that symbol on our children? 
Maybe it's something inscribed in a necklace or a ring. Or maybe it's something as low budget as a magnet on the fridge, a sticky note on the car. We need to have things that remind us of our faith. We need to have signs and symbols that keep our faith on our hearts wherever we go. Some of you might remember this, but a number of years ago, after a service here at TFRC, we were given a card. And on this card, it says the Shema. Shema Israel, Adonai Lechenu, Adonai Lechad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Amen. Maybe some of you still have this. Over the years, I've gone through a number of wallets since I've gotten this, but it always finds a way to stay. This little frayed up piece of paper. And what I decided to do was underneath my ID, I put this Shema card as a reminder of where my identity truly lies. What are the things that you can be doing to impress the faith? It doesn't have to be super expensive. It can be a kind of a crummy piece of paper that you put someplace that you always remember. But do you have something like that in your life? Where randomly out of the blue, you're going to get your credit card and you see it and you're reminded, yes, that's who I am. Proverbs 22.6 says, Start children off the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will, they will not turn from it. There's great wisdom in impressing our faith on our children. Because typically people believe in or come back to whatever it is that they know and are comfortable with. Our children are the church of today, but they're also the church of tomorrow. Let's begin to intentionally pursue having a deeper relationship with Jesus so that we can model what that looks like, so that we can internalize our faith. Let's start intentionally talking about it with our children so they can see it's real and that it matters. And let's intentionally have visual reminders that keep our faith on our hearts so they can be kept on our kids as well. How awesome would it be to see our children grow up our nieces, our nephews, our grandkids, our students, and develop a relationship with Jesus. And how fulfilling would it be to know that you did your part to make it happen? There's no guarantee our kids are going to be followers of Jesus. But we can do our part. And if we do, we can help instill that love for Jesus that has changed our lives. Imagine what we could do if that became the priority of our life. A couple questions just to have you think about as you go. What are you doing to impress your faith upon your children?
or the children that are in your life? And what's something you could do to change that or something you could do to improve that area of your life? Because, you know, the nature of impressing is you keep going. You keep going. So there's going to come that day when maybe you do something more. Imagine the greatness that can come from us impressing our faith on our children, the love they can have for Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray. God, we thank you uh, for being able to come here today on Father's Day. Lord, I ask that uh, you continue to work on our hearts. Lord, help us to impress faith on our children through how we live out our faith, through what we talk about with our faith, and through the signs we, we, we put in our lives to keep it on our hearts. Lord, I ask if we've been struggling in that area of our, area of our life, that you can just put a fire under us to put that extra investment in our children. And Lord, I pray here at TFRC as we build this new children's wing and as we continue to minister to these kids, help us do our part in impressing the faith. We love you, God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May, the, may he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Have a great Father's Day.